We're in this series uh, talking about relationships. In the last number of weeks, we have been talking a little bit about anger. And so today, I want to kind of get back into that a little bit, do a little bit of a review, and give us some steps in which to manage our anger. And I know a lot of you have been working on this week. In fact, I've received a number of text messages this week with the simple phrase, I make me so angry. And a lot of you have been using that this week, and that's really good. I'm excited that you're doing that. In fact, I had one uh, uh, lady talk to me a little bit. She goes, you know, I have been dealing with this for such a long time. Uh, she goes, I, I've retired now, but uh, in my, my former employment, my for, former job, uh, I was known, I had a nickname called Old Faithful. And it wasn't because I got there early in the morning or left late. It was because at least once a week, I would just go off on people. And so I had a little nickname, Old Faithful. And so she's been uh, learning a lot from this series as well. So a lot uh, is said about anger in the Bible. And I, uh, so today I just want to make this as practical and as clear-cut as I can in review. And I want to start with a statement from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 puts it like this. Better a patient person than a warrior one with self-control than one who takes a city. Think about that for a moment. The Bible says you put a great warrior who can capture a city on one side and a person who's developed patience and can deal with anger on the other and ask yourself, who is the hero? It's no contest. Taming a hostile city is nothing compared to taming a hostile spirit. And the true hero is the one who can subdue and rule her or her temper. That's heroism. Now, last week we looked at some basic truths about anger, and I want to say this again that it is a good thing that you have the capacity to get angry. That's a good thing. Some of you grew up in homes where people pretended that they never experienced anger. Some of you grew up in homes where people just stuffed it or they avoid talking about it. Some of you grew up with the thought, I should never experience anger, or if I do, it means I'm a terrible person. So just to be clear on this, it is a good thing that you have the capacity to experience anger. It's part of the ability to live with passion. But you need to know this. Most of what the Bible has to say about anger falls into the category of warnings and cautions. The vast majority of scriptural statements about anger. Because you were not intended by God to live in an extended state of anger. Anger is kind of like having a smoke detector around the house. It's a very good thing to have. And when one of them goes off, when it starts to buzz, it's a signal that something needs to be addressed. Something needs to be fixed. Now, maybe there's smoke coming from someplace, then that needs to get stopped. Maybe it means dinner is ready, and you're that kind of a chef. Maybe the detector itself is just off, and the batteries need to be replaced. It's a good thing that I have smoke detectors around the house, but the purpose of them is not to live with smoke detectors constantly making noise and we just getting used to it. The purpose of it is to warn me something needs attention. Anger exists so that you'll be motivated to make it go away. 
Anger exists so that you'll be motivated to fix what needs fixing so, don't you, so that you don't live in a constant state of anger. Your body was not made to live in a constant state of anger. Now, it is not easy to do this. Some of you grew up in homes where there were people who were abusive in their anger. Some of you lived with spouses who have been abusive. Some of you have been treated with great unfairness in your employment. And next week, we are going to talk about how to, dip, how to deal with difficult people. And then the week following that, we're going to look at the issue of forgiveness. And we're going to go into great depth on that one. But this may take a long time, but you were not intended to live in a permanent state of anger. And so this morning, we're going to walk through steps to manage anger. Five steps, and I'm going to give you one word for each step. All right? Five steps. First step sounds very simple. But in fact, it is often very difficult. And the reason that it is difficult is that anger is kind of an arousal. As you get angrier, people suffer from what psychologists, especially one named Zillman, calls cognitive incapacitation. It's a fancy term. Cognitive incapacitation. In other words, when you get angry, you don't think straight. Anger produces what's called the Jim Carrey effect. As you get mad and madder, you get dumb and dumber. So the first step, stop. Stop. Single word. When your inner gauge reads red hot anger, stop. Delay response. You need to buy time. First thing when you get fired up internally is you need to allow your body and your emotions to calm down so that you can behave intentionally instead of just going off. And the Bible is clear about this, really practical. Proverbs 14, 17 says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Just real simple. Wise people remain calm. When your inner gauge reads red-hot anger, stop. Just stop. Now, you may need or want to physically leave the situation where you are and go someplace until your emotions are out of the red zone. Take a walk. But the key is to stop. Cool down. Now, this is very important. A cooling down period will not work if you use that time to pursue anger-inducing trains of thought. If you spend your time cooling down by simply rehearsing the reasons you're so angry, you're just going to get angrier. So you need to find a way. When you stop, reroute your thoughts. And a couple ideas how to do this. One is, when you find yourself thinking hostile thoughts that are going to lead to more anger, when you're just thinking about how bad this other person is, simply say the word, literally say the word out loud, stop. Some people can even just yell it, stop. People that do a lot of work in anger management will encourage people to just say to yourself, and you can do it right out loud, just yell the word, stop. And it'll stop an angry train of thought. 
Now, you'll have to use some discernment on this one. If you're angry at your boss and your boss is right there giving you instructions, you may not want to say, stop, real loud when they're right there in front of you. It may not work well. But another way that you can stop a train of thought is by having another thought at hand. For instance, one of the aspects of anger is that it makes us feel like we're absolutely right and we're absolutely justified in doing anything we want to do to win the argument or to hurt the other person. So a very good thing for people with anger issues to say is, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Okay? And I want to make sure that all of us takes that little phrase out of here with us. So we're going to say those words together out loud. I could be wrong. All right? On the count of three. One, two, three. I could be wrong. Some of you have never said those words. And, and, and your spouse right now is, is wanting you to say them because it's the first time they've ever heard you say them. All right, so we're going to do it one more time. We're going to say it together with gusto and enthusiasm, all right, on the count of three. One, two, three. I could be wrong, all right? Again, here's the main point of this. When anger is rising, when the gauge reads red hot, stop and refuse to do what you used to do that does not work. Don't go on autopilot. Some of you are exploders, some of you clam up, some of you withdraw emotionally, you disengage, some of you pout, some of you give little verbal jabs. But the idea here is when you recognize as you're doing that, stop and just resolve, you could make this decision now, just resolve that you're not going to do what you used to do that does not work. Okay, number one, stop. Number two, ask. Ask. And ask two questions. The first one is, why am I angry? Why am I angry? And this is really important. Anger is not a primary emotion. You know, in collars, there are three primary collars, and all the other collars are made up of the combinations of those. Anger is not a primary emotion. Anger is the result of hurt frustration, or fear. Anger is generally the result of being hurt or frustrated or you are afraid. And so I want to deal with my anger constructively. First, I need to step back and ask what's underneath my anger. Otherwise, I'm just dealing with the surface but not the root. All right? So for instance, let me give you a couple scenarios here that lead to anger. Here's the first scenario. You're going to church, but you're running late. You were ready on time, but the person you're coming with is just always late. And so now you're running late, and you drove here just as fast as you could. What do you experience? On the surface, it's anger, but what's underneath it? It's just frustration. Frustration about pace of life kind of issues. You're frustrated. Uh, Another scenario, a guy by the name of Ken Davis talks about this. It's the middle of the night, it's pitch dark, suddenly downstairs there's a loud thumping noise like somebody walking around, bumping into things, like someone's broken into your house. 
Now, according to the United States Constitution, who's supposed to go down to check it out, the husband or the wife? And Heather says to me, my wife says to me, what's that, what's that noise? And I say, I don't hear anything. And then she says, I know, I know what it is. I saw this story on the news. There's some guy loose in our community, some axe-welding, bloodthirsty, mouth-foaming, homicidal maniac, and he's escaped from the maximum security penitentiary for the criminally insane. Go check it out. (laughs) But then I remember, we're in a mutual marriage. We're partners. So I say, you go down. And she says, I can't go down. I have no makeup on. I can't go down there. So we get angry about who's supposed to go check it out. What's underneath the anger? It's fear. Fear. So why am I angry? If I don't ask this, you're just going to deal with the surface, not with the root. Why am I angry? And the second question for us to ask then is, what do I want? What is it that I want? What is my goal? What do I want to accomplish? I'm experiencing fear, frustration, hurt. What do I want? I want to remove it. That's what I want. So first you must stop. Then you must ask, why am I phrased? What do I want? Third step, in the word, it's listen. The third step is listen. And this has to do with learning to empathize with other people. It has to do with a commitment to understand other people. First you stop, then you ask, why am I angry? What do I want? And then you seek to put yourself in the other shoes of the other person. Because most often, anger involves other people. It doesn't mean that you're going to justify everything, but it means that you make an honest attempt to understand them. And again, the Bible comes right out and says this, James 1, 19 and verse 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to anger, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And you'll notice the three things, listening, speaking, getting angry. And generally, the angrier you are, the more you want to talk and the less you want to listen. And so the logic of the Bible is, if you're quick to listen and then slow to speak, you will be slow to anger. And the reverse is also true. If you're quick to jump in and you're not good at listening, you'll be quick to get angry. So you must cultivate the habit of listening. Most angry or hostile people are not good listeners. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who just loves to finish your sentences? George Well was in a debate with William Buckley one time. and Buckley kept cutting in on him, finishing his words. And so finally he said... I am the world's foremost expert on how I want to finish my own sentences. When you begin to get angry, you start to think about what you can say that will win the argument. What will hurt that person? But don't think about that. Focus on what the other person is saying and seek to understand them. 
Again, another wonderful statement from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 17, 28. This is one of my life verses, by the way. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Okay? Bible has just simple wisdom here. Okay? Stop, ask, listen. Fourth word, rethink. Rethink. And this is hugely important. And I want to say a little bit about this. We often think of anger management this way, that once you're angry, then you have to be careful how you express it. But there is a far more powerful place to intervene in dealing with anger, and that is before you get angry. Before you get angry. There are certain thoughts that actually lead to anger. And people with habitual experiences of anger, anger management problems, are people who habitually tend to think hostile, negative, cynical thoughts about other people. And so they are set up to be angry. So become aware of your thoughts would produce feelings of anger and learn to think different ones because you live at the mercy of your thoughts. Your thoughts will lead you to anger. And I'll give you a couple scenarios on this one. Let's say it's 9 o'clock at night. You have a young child that gets out of bed cautiously, attentively comes downstairs, violating the curfew. However, I'm relaxed. I've got nothing to do, nowhere to go. And so I think a series of thoughts as I watch him come downstairs. Look at that little kid. Only a few more years to enjoy Kodak moments like this. Then they'll be grown. How brave and adventurous he is. Risking punishment to explore the unknown world of the night. He's just like his father. All right? Another scenario. Another night. Same child. Same time. Same father. Identical setting. But this time it's at the end of a long, stressful day. And I still have to put together a message on anger before I go to bed. And the same type comes downstairs. This time... I have a different set of thoughts. Only a few precious moments to get my work done, and Eddie Munster here can't stay in bed. Sure, sneak down the stairs, kid. Go ahead. Make my day. The question you got to ask yourself is, do I feel lucky? How rebellious and disobedient he is, defying parental authority ordained by God because of his relativistic narcissism. He didn't get those genes from my side of the family. <laughs> now notice, the external situation is identical in both cases. It is my thoughts that lead to anger or they will lead me away from anger. But very often, I feel angry because I am thinking distorted, hostile, negative, cynical thoughts. Again, the Bible has a lot to say about this. Philippians 4.8, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is of excellence or praiseworthy, think about 
these things. So just kind of scroll through your thoughts this last week. Did anybody here entertain any thoughts that were not true and pure and good and holy or friendly or proper? Did you have any thoughts that didn't fit one of those categories? Paul says, don't ever stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and praiseworthy. And the reason why is because your thoughts lead you to what you feel and how you will live. Your mind is so critical, so important. This is why elsewhere in Scripture, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, terribly important to gain control of what you're thinking. Again, another statement in the Old Testament goes like this. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. As a person thinks, their deepest self, it leads to who they become. All right? Stop. Ask. Listen. Rethink. And then the final step, go. Go. Take appropriate action. When you've done the first four steps, then take appropriate action. Again, this is so important. To manage anger does not mean to swallow it. It does not mean to do nothing. Ephesians 4.26, Paul says, Be angry, but do not sin. And make sure you follow through. Because here's what happens. Many people only have two gears One of them is they're really mad and they can say or do anything. They'll just let it fly. But when they cool down, they avoid confrontation or taking difficult steps because it's unpleasant. And so they don't do anything to correct what the anger was about. And they never move to take action about the hurt or the frustration or the fear. Anger is a signal to action. So maybe you need to deal with your own distorted thoughts. Maybe you need to deal with the person that you're angry with. You probably need to have a conversation. Make sure that you do it. Make sure you push the start button. Go. You stop. You ask. You listen. You rethink. And go. And so here's the last thing I want to do. Just a little test. We're going to look together at a short video clip. It lasts maybe a minute and a half, and we're going to see how the character in this video clip handles these five steps, all five of them. It's from a movie called The Father of the Bride, and it's a character. Steve Martin is the actor. He is a frustrated guy. His stress is really high. The wedding that he's involved in is costing a lot of money. He's moving too fast, and he comes to a moment where he decides that he's just got to get out. He's got to get out of the house. And he's got to cool down, so he goes to a store. And we'll see how well he does now. All right, take a look. Nina said, as long as I was escaping, would I mind escaping to the market and picking up something for dinner? Sure, that was all I needed, a busy supermarket. I needed to drive, mellow out, get my mind off the wedding. But mellowing out was not in the cards. Excuse me, sir, what are you doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I want to buy eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns to go with them. 
but no one sells eight hot dog buns. They only sell 12 hot dog buns. So I end up paying for four buns I don't need. So I am removing the superfluous buns. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but you're going to have to pay for all 12 buns. They're not marked individually. Yeah. You want to know why? Because some big shot over at the Wiener Company got together with some big shot over at the Bun Company and decided to rip off the American public. Because they think the American public is a bunch of trusting nitwits who pay for Getting things security. they don't need rather than make a stink. Well, they're not ripping off this nitwit anymore because I'm not paying for one more thing I don't need. George Banks is saying no! Who's George Banks? Me! Why don't we just calm down now, sir? I'll tell you why we don't calm down. Because you're not excited. It takes two people for a we to calm down, doesn't it? Uh, that I don't know, sir. I'm just the assistant manager of a supermarket. But I'll tell you this. If you don't pipe down and pay for those buns, I'm going to call the police. Oh, right. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, right. That's right. Hey, right. Hey, hey, come here. All right, so let's walk through the five steps together. First of all, he's at the store. Someone comes up to him and says, uh, uh, talks to him, and he's livid. Does he stop? Does he take a moment to just cool down? No, he does not stop. Then let's ask, ask, and we'll do this together. Why is he angry? He's frustrated. He's frustrated about how much everything is costing him, how much it's going to cost him, how much money he's losing. So he's frustrated. Does he listen effectively to other people in this scene? Well, he does something really typical of angry people. When the guy says, let's just calm down, he says, it takes two for an us to calm down. Angry people do this. Technically, he's correct. It does take two for us to calm down, but it's just not a productive point to focus on. Okay? It's not something really to get us anywhere. And then what are his thoughts? Does he have any distorted thoughts whatsoever? A conspiracy of the hot dog industry and the bun industry? And I'll tell you something. If you look at anger, one of the reasons why angry is funny is it produces temporary paranoia. Angry really does produce a form of paranoia. Interesting that we'll use this, the, the word mad for irrationality, insane behavior, and we use the same word mad for anger. They're mad, he's mad. It's the same word. And then when it comes to go, the strategy, what was his strategy? To run, to really go. But it didn't work out really well at all, did it? Never run away like that. Okay, he blew it on all five levels. So this week, Look for opportunities to step through your anger and just anticipate it. It is going to happen this week. God is going to send you opportunities to grow. And when they start to come, first of all, stop. Delay your response. Don't do what you used to do that doesn't work. Just stop. 
Then ask, why am I angry? What do I want out of this? And what would be a good thing to happen? How can I achieve it? And then listen. Think it out again. And then move ahead. Take action, appropriate action. That's how you manage anger. And you can all do this. With God's help, you can all do this. Let's pray. Father God, again, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your scriptures that speak uh, into just uh, these everyday moments of life. And God, every one of us here wants to uh, be a follower of Jesus, want to live in such a way that we reflect our Lord and our Savior. And part of that is to live a life of self-control, self-discipline. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help each and every one of us to deal with our anger, to address the issues that are really going on, and to to seek to be reconciled uh, with those that are around us, and to live the the life of peace and the life of love that you're calling every single one of us to live. God, we ask for your Spirit to be with us, to empower us, to give us wisdom, to help us see straightly through these things. God, we don't do this in our own power. This is just not a a step of of self-help, but Lord, this is, this is us seeking to take on the very character of our Savior, to be like Jesus, to, to live Jesusly in our everyday moments. Help us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.